Okay, just making sure it's there. We all have a passion for something. You know, when we watch TV or we, we enjoy some show, uh, maybe even watch a play of some sort, when we, when we do things we love or we're passionate about, it's like we sacrifice whatever we need to in order to do what we're passionate about. Now again, yes, we've all gotten gifts of some sort or, you know, family has come over and, and uh, maybe yesterday you ate a whole lot more than you usually eat. Yesterday, you could see so many people enthusiastic about Christmas, especially our kids. They're passionate about Christmas because they receive gifts. And I just love watching the kids open gifts and including the adults because, because everyone's happy. And that's really what we want in life. We want to be happy. I, I like to watch our little ones open their gifts because uh, they don't know what they're getting. Most of them don't know what they're getting. And as they're opening it, they're trying to guess what it is. And finally, they open it and they're surprised. And, ah, this is what I wanted. One of our staff kids said this, and I think she's about four years old. She opened up her gift and she said, this is what I always wanted. I just didn't know it. <laughs> and so cute. But kids are like that. They, they enjoy Christmas because of the gifts that they get. One of, one of uh, the greatest things I've seen during this season of Christmas is this, the spirit of giving. I just want to say thank you to all of you who gave to our angel tree, who served, uh, and then uh, gave to our plus one ministry that Pastor Charlie was talking about. That's when we come to church with a canned good of some sort or a dry goods so that we can uh, feed families. And so I just want to say thank you so much in your hearts for giving. And this has always been a giving church. And I see people so excited about bringing things so that others could enjoy. And I, 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 I'm just thankful that, that we have a God that allows us to do that. You know, he's not, a, he's not a stingy God. He's a giving God because he's very passionate about who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. Now, this morning when you came in, you are giving your bulletin and we're actually uh, finishing up this series on seasons. And we want to look at this morning on finding my passion. Because every single person has a passion for something. That we love to do this. Or maybe you have a favorite hobby of some sort. Or maybe you love watching a, a favorite uh, sport of some kind. Uh, maybe you like uh, uh, a certain kind of uh, vehicle or, or you like doing uh, certain things uh, with a group of people. You know, people are, we're passionate about so many things. But I wonder what happens to us when we, when we lose passion, not necessarily for the things we enjoy doing, but when we lose passion for life because of the things we do. I want to ask you a question that I, uh, I think we can all think through as we enter this new year. And here's the question. When was the last time you were enthusiastic about something you should be enthused about? Let me rephrase that. I'll try and read it in this way. When was the last time you were enthusiastic about what you should be enthused about? In other words, let's just say in our marriages, when was the last time we were excited to be married? That we are, we're just so joyful that we're married. We're excited that we're married. 
that we, we, we have made this commitment together? Or when was the last time you were enthusiastic about your children? Not just, oh, good morning, but, but you were just so grateful that you had kids. Maybe when they turned 18 and moved out, you were so enthusiastic that you have a kid. Or maybe our jobs. When was the last time we were so enthusiastic about what we should be enthused about? When was the last time we were just so grateful that we had this job? When was the last time we were enthusiastic about life itself? See, we can lose our passion not just for things, but even our very own life. God gave us a life to live, but not just to live. He says to, be, to live in such a way that it's life more abundant. And that's what we want to look at today. We want to look at how we can be people who, who find that passion for life, not just for things. And we can be people who, who find that passion once again. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some critical life-changing choices this morning that we can choose to help us find that passion for life once again. Now, if you've been reading uh, devotions along with us, devotions, we call it devotions when we open up the Word of God and we read His words from the Bible, and then we journal some scriptures and uh, maybe some observations that we have or an application and a prayer. We actually use the acrostic SOAP, S-O-A-P, and we follow the bookmark that we have, or you can go online and, uh, and uh, go into our reading program, and it helps us to get into the words of God. And what that does is it actually helps us to become passionate once again about life. But if you're reading along with us, you would find that we're in the book of Revelation. Now, sometimes we stay away from the book of Revelation because if you read it, it can become very confusing because there's a lot of prophetic messages to it. There's a lot of metaphors to it. And so sometimes we don't understand, but there are certain things that you will understand. And one of them is when... When John the Apostle, who is writing the book of Revelation, gets this, gets this vision of, of the churches that God is speaking to at that time. And there's some things that we can learn through this vision or this revelation that God gave to him that can be applied to our very own lives today. I'm actually going to read from the book of Revelation a little bit in Revelation chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. If not, I'll read it. And then we'll continue on. But God, the reason why it's called revelation is because God revealed some things to John the Apostle. And, uh, and he's, he says it in this way. And he's speaking to John for John to write these words in, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. And he says this, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now, if God was telling me that and, and he was saying, oh, I've watched your life. Oh, you're, you, you live life and, and you, you don't become weary. You persevere through even the most difficult times. And you're, you're doing well. I'd take that as a thumbs up and I'd be like, thank you, God. Oh, I'm, I'm good with that. But then he continues on and this is what makes it, makes it very interesting. In Revelation 2, and it continues in verse 4, he says this, nevertheless, ah, but there's something else he says, I have this against you. 
that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. It's like he's saying, you you do all these things well, but there's something missing. It's like you've lost passion for the first thing that's important. The thing that brought you to life, the thing that, that you surrounded your life with, you've lost that first love. You see, once we lose that love, we could be doing everything correct, but still not live. Remember when we first met Christ and that it was that new life that was, it's like we were reborn and, and everything was brand new. Life maybe didn't change overnight or we, we maybe didn't have, you know, drastic changes in our lives, but there was like that heaviness that was lifted off of us that heaviness of sin or guilt or shame, whatever it may be. But then as life continued on, oh, we hit life at its its walls and at its dead ends once again. And and it's like if we didn't continue on with our relationship with God and, and remaining in that love, it's like that love slowly started to deteriorate and now all we're operating on is momentum and habit, routine and what we know. But we lost that love Maybe even for God himself. See, if I get so busy in my life, I forget where my true life comes from. And I forget the one who is the giver of life. The passion that he gives to us, or that strong liking or enthusiasm for a subject or activity, never ceases unless we leave our first love, listen, for him because we can actually shift our love from him to things and other people and what we want to look at today is how can i how can i find that passion for life once again now it may not have been lost but i wonder if from day to day it just shifts and we we just shift from from a passion for living to i must do this out of duty and I think one of the first things I must do is, is I, I, I must look at my life in, in fullness. I, I got to look at my life in where I'm heading, where, I'm, where I've been and where I'm going. I got to visualize my life. And, and if you are taking notes, you can write that in your first point to visualize my life. Because while we're visualizing our life, what, what, we, what we can actually receive is what God is trying to speak to us. Because if we don't visualize our life, really, we'll be working just from moment to moment and it's almost like we're always in rears and trying to catch up with life trying to catch up with the things that that God is asking us to do and or be and become and we forget that God is working in and through us where do I want to be no and I visualize my life where do I want to be who am I becoming am I any different than I was last year yesterday am I any different than five years ago Am I, am I in a different place in life than where I was last year for the better? Or, am I, or has my life plateaued and, and I no longer have passion for living? I just exist. When was the last time we reflected upon our life? Not to the point where I look at what's wrong because we can do that, reflect on our life and then all of a sudden we look at what is not going right. But not look at what's wrong, but look at where we go from here, from this point on. 
There's a wonderful scripture in the book of Proverbs that I love because it, it teaches me about life and how I can visualize my life. And it's found in the book of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 34. And it's in your notes. And here's the, here's the, the wise man. And he says that I walk by the way, by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one lacking sense. I saw that it was overgrown with thorns. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. You know what is interesting is, and what I learned from this is, he passed by this field of a lazy person. And when he saw him, he reflected upon it. But, but not in the way of, oh, look at that guy just kicking back. Maybe I should do that too. Or, boy, I would love to do that. I'm just going to do the very same thing. Or I wonder what that person is doing to make, to make his home and his, his walls and his yard just so messy. I want to do the same thing. I should just let it go. I should just be free to live. Because we tend to do that. Sometimes we'll watch other people's lives and we'll say, boy, would I want to be like that? Or we'll see other people, even as Christians, fall and stumble or take shortcuts. And so we give ourselves permission to do the same because, well, they did. They're a Christian. Maybe I can do the same thing too. You see, when God gives us a reason to live, he also will give us vision for our life. Because if I don't visualize my life, then really what am I passionate about when it comes to life? Or do I just exist from day to day? You know, when the Bible says that uh, this wise man, he says, I learned this lesson. You know what he's saying? He's saying there was something that I needed to correct. There was a correction that I could make in my life. And he reflected upon it. And I think we can do the same. We can visualize our life and say, Lord, what corrections do I need to make? In whatever area, in my marriage, my job, uh, in my calling that he has for me, uh, even in ministry. How many of us serve in ministry and after a while we become grumblers and complainers in ministry because it's difficult, it's hard. Jesus himself said, it's not easy. My kingdom is not the easiest thing. The road is narrow. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. It's a difficult thing, he says. But even when we serve Christ... We lose passion. We tend to forget that he's, he wants to correct things in us. Yeah, just because we serve doesn't mean that makes our relationship with Jesus Christ excellent. We've got to work at it, like any relationship. But if I don't visualize those things, then I'm never going to correct them. I'll just keep operating. I'll operate on the things that I, 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 I think I need to do. Then it becomes more of a duty rather than out of a love, that love for God then life, life itself, just becomes routine. There was a company that was looking for people to hire, and they had hundreds of people come through the interviewing process. And then they narrowed it down, narrowed it down, narrowed it down to a, a few people. And there were about maybe five people left, and, and all of them had high degree level type of academia, academia uh, status in their life. They had... They had uh, they had expertise, they had skills, they had knowledge. 
except one person. They didn't have the best degree. They didn't come from a, a, a background that, that had skill. But for some reason, the president of the company hired that one person. The board members got together in this private meeting and they said, okay, th- this, is, this is where we got to draw the line, sir. Because um, we had so many more people who were more than qualified to do this job. But you must give us reason why you hired this person who lacks the skill, who does not even have a degree in this field. Yeah, he knows a little bit about it, but, but why did you hire this person? And the president said, oh, well, that was, it was very easy. In fact, I picked him from the very beginning. He said, really? What, what stood out about this guy? He said, you know, out of everyone, out of all the people, there's one thing that this person had that no one else had. He has passion for this job. And that's why I hired him. When God gives us this life to live, he gives it to us not so that we just live a mediocre life, but he says, no, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. The thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy, says John 10.10. But then it continues and, and Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Yeah, he wants to have us to have that passion for living. Why? Because he's given us this life to live. That's why he died for us. He didn't die for us so that we could just exist. We could do that without him. He died for us so that we'd have eternal life. And with that comes passionate living. That we can find that passion for true life. What am I most passionate about? What am I living for? Yeah, I can live for things, but that comes and goes. Sure, we can have passion for things, Uh, Many of us during Christmas, we had a passion for shopping. It's like we have an excuse now to shop. And then we come up with bags and and then we'll open it up and say, oh, look at what I bought for so-and-so and and, oh, but this is for me. And look at what I bought. Oh, no, that's mine. Oh, this is mine too. Oh, these are all mine. You may have a passion for shopping, but that soon ends also. What, What am I most passionate about? Am I even doing what God has called me to do in my passion? Or has life now become a duty? See, there are some things that I know we're not passionate about, like washing clothes, doing the dishes, you know, cleaning house, maybe even work itself, or maybe dealing with difficult customers or difficult people, difficult family members, paying bills. There's many things we're not passionate about, but that's why, and number two, fill this in, that I must connect with Jesus, and here it is, by choice. To connect with Jesus by choice. See, if I don't connect with Jesus, I will automatically, by default, connect with any other thing that makes me feel good. If I don't connect with Jesus by choice, by default, I'll connect with anything that makes me feel good, and I'll justify it if it's not pleasing to God, I'll justify it by saying, but God wants me to be happy, right? Yeah, of course God wants us to be happy, but not to sacrifice life and our souls and to do what's wrong. Of course he wants us to have this kind of abundant life, but not in sacrifice of things that is not pleasing to him. 
I read this story in the Bible, and we may have known it and heard it before. The story of Mary and Martha. Remember, Jesus was coming over, and, and just like us during Christmas time, when people are coming over, we clean the whole house. We clean everything. We get everything prepared. We cook all the food. We don't start cooking when everyone shows up. Some of us do, and you're eating at you know, 9 o'clock at night, and everybody mad. But we try our very best to get everything prepared. Well, Mary and Martha was doing that, but the, the moment Jesus shows up, Mary connects with Jesus. She sits down at the feet of Jesus and talks with him. Martha, on the other hand, is busy doing all the tasks. And so she's busy doing all the things, and then she, she gets upset. And she tells Jesus. She didn't talk to Mary. She tells Jesus. Jesus, can you tell my sister to help me? Look, it's, there's so many things to do, and, and it's like, She's not even helping. It's like Martha was going through someone else to speak to her own sister. And so Jesus responds to her. And I, and I, I like this because Jesus could have said, Hey, Mary, I, you know, we can talk later, but go help your sister. Because wouldn't that be godly? That sounds like the godly thing to do. You know, hey, you're a Christian, go help. You, you need to do this. It's part of your duty as a Christian. You need to do this. But Jesus teaches us something. He says, and in Luke 10, 42, he says, you know what? One thing is needed, Martha. You're so busy about these things. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, Martha, you're always going to be busy. You're always going to have things to do. The things you do if you don't choose to connect with me, will run your life. Therefore, it will drain your life. Unless, he says, you do that one thing that is needed. That one thing. But it must be a choice that you choose. And that's to sit at my feet and connect with me. And Mary has chosen that good part, that good part, the pleasant part, the agreeable part, that joyful part, the happy part. That's connecting with Christ. See, there are many things that will drain us that we're not passionate about. And when Christ said she's chosen that good part, when he uses that word part, now let's, ref let's refer back to our mathematics in school. When there was a part of something, that's a fraction of something, it's like one-fourth or one-twelfth of something, it's a portion of the whole. What Christ wasn't saying is don't do those things. He's saying with all the things that is required in life, don't forget this one part of it. It's included in life. And that's to sit at my feet, to connect with me. Don't forget that part. Sure, you're going to have all these things. But this part, it's, it's distinct from the whole entire part. Of everything. It, this one thing is distinctive. It stands out among everything else. That is the one thing you should never forget. That your connection with Jesus does what nothing else will do. It gives you passion for life. Because He is life. See, people can take away many things from us, but, but they can never take away our relationship with God Himself who gives us purpose for this life that he's given to us. He's given us a, a purpose to live in our passion for living.
He gives us purpose. This one little girl, eight years old, Cindy, she hated cleaning the table. But that was her job. She hated doing that. But that was part of her chores. Well, one night, Mrs. Middlebrook, who was her Sunday school teacher, was invited over for dinner. And so they're there together with dinner. Mom and dad is there and Mrs. Middlebrook. And as, as they were speaking with Mrs. Middlebrook, dinner was over and they're still talking. Cindy gets, gets up and she starts cleaning the table. Not only that, she starts washing the dishes. And she wipes the dishes and puts them away. Well, as she's doing this and her mom is talking with her Sunday school teacher, her mom is just wondering what in the world is happening. And so when everyone's done and, and, and Mrs. Middlebrook went home, Cindy's mom went up to her and said, Hey, Cindy, I can see now something has changed in you. Do you love cleaning up now? She goes, Oh, no, 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 Mommy. I, I, I still hate it. I still do. She goes, but, I, but you cleaned up. You even washed the dishes. I mean, you wouldn't do that if you didn't love it, right? She goes, well, Mrs. Middlebrook always says to honor your parents in Sunday school. And I just thought if I did that in front of her, that it would show her that I honor you every single day. <laughs> we can trick people. But we, some of you just got it now. But we can't, we can't trick the Lord. We just can't. That's why he says you got to choose that part. It's a choice that you make. And that choice is done out of love. Because the next day, if not out of love, you won't clean the table. You won't do the dishes. If you do it out of duty, it just, it's not going to continue on. He says, it's not a religious duty. I'm not a religious partner that you do things for. It's a relationship built out of love. Because that, that's what continues to fuel our life. See, we may not want to do many things, but because we want to be honoring to Christ, we want to we show our love towards Him, and because we're connected to Him, we're able to live with passion because we're fueled by an outside source. And that outside source has an endless amount of passion to give, an endless amount of love to give. That's why John 15, 5, it tells us that He is the vine. And Jesus speaks these words. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That word nothing that Jesus uses is no. No. Or not. In other words, it's like my life becomes a no. Or not. I cannot. No, I'm not able and when Jesus asks us to do certain things, no, I'm not worthy. You hear that not, N-O-T? It's in there. And when he says, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to breathe life into you, no, I'm not, I'm not able to receive that because I, I, I've done some things and, and so my life is nowhere where it should be. And our, our whole life becomes a not or a No. And we even shut God out because we think we can't. But he's saying, there's something that's missing. You're not connected to me. 
I'm the vine. You're the branches. Apart from me, you're actually, you're actually doing what happens when you're apart from me. You might be saying, well, I just don't have any passion at all in my life. I mean, I used to. I used to be passionate about, about living. I used to be passionate about music or carpentry or singing or art. I used to be passionate about kids. I used to be passionate about teaching. I used to be passionate about this hobby or, or something. But it's gone, and I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, I used to have passion for living, but if you've gone through what I went through, oh boy, it, that passion has been ripped out from my life. I, I, don't, I, I, can't, I don't know where to find that passion anymore. Sure, I try to connect with Christ, but it's different. I, I, I try to. I try to read the Bible, but after a while, it just doesn't do anything for me. I think, I think we tend to forget that it's more than, than reading words. Because we can actually, even though the Bible is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, I can read his words, know his words, but not live by his words. Did you know that even the devil himself memorized scripture? He knows the word inside and out. It's not merely knowing the words, it's living the words. Where do you get that? Here's your last point, write this in. Ask the Lord for a renewed passion. A renewed passion. A renewed passion for what? For living, for life, for your marriage, for your children. A renewed passion for maybe a hobby that you've, you've always enjoyed, but, but you, you've given it up or whatever it may be. A renewed passion for the life God gave to us. See, if God is able to create within us a passion for something, then isn't he also able to restore that passion when it becomes dry and empty? He's able to do that. See, when we hit those times where, where life is just dry and empty or, or even desert times, he's able to renew that passion for living. Why? Because he is life. He's the one that gives us the waters of life. This is how God speaks of those who come to him. And it's found in John 1 verse 13. He says, they are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from who? God. God himself. It's not the world that will renew our passion. It's God himself. We can look in the world and try to find things to make us happy, but it'll end. Ask God for a renewed passion. Maybe you've been noticing that things have been different between you and your spouse or your kids or, or, or people or even at your workplace. It was a joy in the beginning and now it's just chaotic and you just don't enjoy it anymore. Whatever it may be, maybe it's because we've lost passion for life. Or maybe you, you're saying, well, maybe I haven't lost passion I'm, I, I'm still a little passionate about things, about life. But I wonder if we don't ask God for a renewed passion that without us even knowing it, we're on our way to decline when it comes to loving God. Oh, we've seen it happen. We do so well and then for whatever reason, the next thing we know, we're so distant from God. That we've forgotten that he's the one that gives us life. We can go to him for renewed passion. Maybe you still function from day to day, but there's no passion in it. These two guys 
Sam and Harry, they're good friends. They grew up together and, and, and they're just eating breakfast one day and, and Sam and Harry is just talking about life and their kids, their grandkids, and they're just talking story. And, and Sam asks a question. He says, hey, Harry, how's life going? I mean, sounds like it's going okay. And Harry says, yeah, well, uh, you know, things aren't going that great, you know. It's all right. Sam says, well, tell me about it. What, what's actually, what's happening in your life? He says, well, it's like uh, things have become dull. And Sam says, well, you believe in God, don't you? He says, well, yes, I do. He says, then, then why, don't, why don't, I say, I say, why don't you ask God to help you? Maybe he can answer your prayers. You always talk about that. And he says, well, yeah, I'll see. Well, sometime later, they're at their New Year's party. And Sam sees Harry having a blast. He's having a blast. And, and so he stays from a distance, and he's just watching him dance and, and do all these things. And, and toward the ending of the night, Sam goes to Harry, and he says, Hey, Harry, I see you're a little different, not today. He says, Yeah, life is great. And he says, So, so you prayed, huh? And tell me, tell me, did God answer your prayer? And he says, well, I did pray, but I don't know if he answered my prayer. But here's the secret. He says, come here. I don't know if he answered my prayer, but here's my secret. I will live as if he did. It's up to us, really, if we're going to live. Because God has, he's life itself. He gives it freely. And he says, no, it's, it's your choice. It's your choice. God can only go so far before love doesn't become a choice. And he says, I'll, I'll go as far as I can to give you life. But, but you're going to have to make that decision to connect back to the life I've given to you. It's your choice. Live as if you did. Psalm 119, verse 40. It says that I long to obey your commandments. And then here's the prayer. Renew my life with your goodness. Renew my life, Lord, with your goodness. If the Lord is able to give us a new life, a new day, a new year, tell me he's not able to renew a new passion for life. Ask him to renew your passion for your marriage, passion for your kids, for your parents, even for your job. Ask him to renew your passion, maybe even for ministry or even in who he's called us to be. And you may question if if God answered your prayer or not, but here's the secret. Live as if he did. Amen? Amen. You can put away your notes. Today is a brand new day. And God gives us every single day as a brand new start. You're going to see the difference between people who love life and the difference between people who just can't live. I say let's be people who live life 
in the way God asks us to live. Be passionate about the life God gave to us. Find that passion. Ask God for it. He will renew our passion. There's a story of, of this one great English actor named McReady. And he is a very good actor. He, could, he, had, he had that kind of charisma that just drew people to himself. And, and he would speak to people. He would do things and draw a crowd. Well, this one preacher, an eminent preacher, once asked him, he said, you know, I, I, wish, I wish you explained something to me. And then he says, well, what is it, sire? He says, well, I, I don't know that I can explain everything to a preacher. I don't know if I can do that. The preacher says this to him. He says, well, what is the reason for the difference between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction. And the crowds, the crowds come wherever, wherever you go. But I... I am preaching the essential and unchangeable truth. And I am not, I'm not getting any crowd at all. McReady's answer, pretty simple. He says, Sire, this is quite simple. I can tell you the difference between you and I. You see, while I present my fiction as though it were truth, you, on the other hand, present your truth as though it were fiction. Because, sire, you lack passion. I'd say the difference between a Christian living life, how God called us to live, and a non-Christian who lives life and we see that happening because they don't know Christ to its fullest and we think that's true life the difference is and I wonder if the difference is maybe they even without Christ live more passionately for life than we as Christians do for the cause of Christ I'd say, Lord, how about we be people who receive truth from you and be passionate about truth better than when we used to live in the world and be passionate for a lie. Would you pray with me? Lord, our prayer this morning is, is quite simple. We ask for a renewed passion for the life that you've given to us. And Lord, maybe for some of us, we've, we've not connected with you as best as we would hope to. Or maybe we've been so busy that we've forgotten. We've forgotten what, what true life is all about. And that's that kind of relationship that we can have with you. And so, Lord, I pray right now for every single one of us that you, that you would be the one to renew our passion. That if there are those that have not connected with you, that they would connect with you. That you would speak to our hearts in such a way that draws us closer to you, the author of truth. Give us passion for our family, for our loved ones, in our marriages, Lord. 
Give us passion and help us to re- give us that renewed passion so that it doesn't just dwindle away. And toward the ending of our lives, we look back and, and we would even say to ourselves, boy, we lacked passion. Lord, help us to be, by the end of our lives, still filled with passion for you. Thank you once again for being the restorer of life. We only can be restored because you were passionate towards us and still is. Thank you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen. God is good all the time and He's the one that will restore our passion. Today, let's live as if this was the last day to live. Would you stand together and let's sing our last song. Let's applaud the Lord this morning to thank Him for being this wonderful God. He's a beautiful God. And that's why we praise Him. For the people.